So what's up? How you doing? Fine. And the horse? Since when do you care? Oh, wait a minute, you two know each other. No. Oh yeah. Well, which is it, Kathy? Kathy. Mm-hmm. Cat. Come on, we're wasting his time. Oh no, you're not wasting my time. I'm just cooling. Ben, you're wasting our time. All right, I get it. Check this though. You need me. I'll be right over there. She won't. Yeah, we'll see about that. Oh yeah, cat. Words of wisdom. Drop that zero and get with the hero. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. <laughs> and I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. I knew you were going to have something <laughs> fun before the stinger. Um, I knew. I didn't know what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I had a guess and I thought it was going to be... Uh, Vanilla Ice telling the story of like theirs is ding 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 ours yeah. is ding 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 yeah um I thought that's what it was gonna be but the fact that it was just under pressure <laughs> was oh let's just call it there that's, all right well thanks everybody we did it, everybody this has been cool uh, as so ice. remember <laughs> help control the pet population make sure to spay and neuter your dogs and cats oh all right well that was fun I'm glad we had some fun at the top because yeah because now... I don't know how fun this is gonna be <laughs> in all honesty um. But we we're in a new month and we we have an exciting uh, a theme for the month, uh, which if if it's not evident by that amazing clip, <laughs> vanilla ice movies get oh, ready for the cavalcade of the juggalos. It's this. It's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one that he did this song for. It's, it's this Daddy's again. Boy is that the Adam Sandler one? <laughs> yeah. And then it's this again. We're going to watch this then twice. Yeah. Then, um, uh, but in reality, we are doing uh, ill-fated turns when uh, singers tried to act or rappers tried to act or uh, non-actors tried to act. But specifically musicians. Like, specifically musicians. Yeah. Um, and specifically movies meant to feature the fact that this is a musician doing a movie. Right. Like the, clearly someone in their camp... A manager or an agent was like, all right, you, you, you're you already conquering the music world. And now now it's time for you to conquer cinema. And so I if have the story for Elvis. It'll work for all of us. Yep. And and that's the thing is, it's like Elvis did it. The Beatles did it. Weird Al did it. And, you know, other than that, there's not there's not a lot of examples. Bowie. And there have been singers that have become successful actors. I mean, Justin Timberlake's had a successful acting career. Yeah. Bowie. Uh, Henry Rollins has a few roles to his credit. Yes. Um, yeah. Iggy Pop. There are a bunch. Mm-hmm. David Bowie yeah. and his cod piece. Mm-hmm. Can't do that movie because it, it, that cod piece is beloved. Yeah, that universally beloved. Uh, the only way to malign that movie is not enough cod piece. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but... A lot of times it doesn't work and leads to very maligned movies, which is the ideal fodder for this podcast. And that's why we're starting the month off with the Vanilla Ice vehicle, Cool as Ice. Yep. Yeah, we are. I'm going to start at the top that 
other than star the fact that it stars Vanilla Ice, who's playing Vanilla Ice but not playing Vanilla Ice. Well, I think we. I I don't know if you where, where you're going, but like, I think because I feel like I have more to say about. <laughs> who he is in this movie and how he's playing it. But I don't know if we want to save that. Oh, well, let's hold, let's put a pin in that. Cause that's not where I'm going. Okay. I'm just saying, so it stars vanilla ice. He, although technically not playing vanilla ice, um, playing a character named Robert or, uh, Johnny Van Owen, I believe instead of Robert Van Winkle. Uh, and one scene, he puts a piece of ice in, uh, cat, the love interests mouth. There's literally nothing else about this movie that would make sense for it to be called Cool as Ice. And you could go through the whole pitch and then be like, why are you calling it Cool as Ice? Well, and that scene, I don't think you can say that scene is Cool as Ice because that scene is sexy as hell. Yes. So, I mean, that's that's the issue right there. Yeah, that's that's a definite, definite issue. Um, Yeah, this... Uh, and that's just step one of places to malign this movie. I think it's a good starting place. I think maybe we should try because I think the plot is easy to describe and also really perplexing. So maybe that's also some more to start. Yeah. So it's Doc Hollywood a little bit, a little bit of Doc Hollywood. Yeah. And like <laughs> a little yeah. bit of. Uh, any witness, stereotypical witness protection movie. Yeah, so witness. <laughs> witness, sure. We'll go with witness. Or, or uh, sister act. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, kindergarten cop. Maybe like Rebel Without a Cause or something. And, and, a, and a, a healthy sprinkling of Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, because there's definitely... I, I think... I don't think the execution's there, but I think they were hoping that Vanilla Ice would be presented as some kind of you know, anti-hero, like, bad boy. Super cool icon. Yeah. Anti-authority. Mm-hmm. Marches to the beat of his own drum. The drum that goes... Wait, you're doing that one. You're doing it under pressure. No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, Sorry, sorry. Yeah, had to be clear about that. Yeah. All right, so... It starts with the concert because that's what we want. Yeah, and it, I mean it's bookended nicely. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we're getting to silver linings right away. I mean, yeah, just parallel structure in spades. But yes, it starts with the concert. And when you talk about parallel structure, the other thing that they do that's a hallmark of a good movie is both at the beginning and the end, uh, Vanilla Ice's character exactly the same, experiencing absolutely no change. Yeah, not one bit of change that hasn't learned anything hasn't altered his behavior in any way because he's already perfect let's be honest mm-hmm. and that's true when you want a protagonist in a film you want someone flawless yeah you want someone flawless and static that's what you take a mckee class and that's the first thing he'll tell you Fla- yeah flawless I mean, that's why and superman works so well as a character yeah exactly that's why every superman movie's been good yep every single one flawless <laughs> and static characterization all right, so starts with the concert. Then, then uh, Vanilla Ice and the gang are um, driving their crotch rocket motorcycles around. Just, I guess, to the next show. I guess that's what's implied. Going to the next place. The next place. Uh, they're. I guess they're really hoping that the next place has all the gear, or that the gear truck knew where to go. 
because it's just four of them on on uh souped up kawasaki motorcycles yeah so bananas 90s paint jobs mm-hmm. so they're cruising around and then one of them his motorcycle breaks down and and then also i don't remember if this happens before or after that but vanilla ice meets kathy and tries to murder her right she's um, on a horse i don't know if you know this yeah but uh probably if you see someone riding a horse mm-hmm and you want their attention, you should do whatever you can to knock them off the horse. And spook the horse. that is a safe thing. Spook the horse. Because horses are predictable. They'll protect the person that's on them, scare the hell out of them. And they only get more predictable the scareder they get. Yeah, if if you're driving, say, a motorcycle at them, they're going to act very predictably, and it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. So that's so that's the first thing. He he plays. That's their meat cute. That's their meat cute. Is he tries to run over her on a horse? Like he's on his motorcycle and he just drives at them. He jumps a fence. Yeah, and knocks her because you know she was attractive. And if there's one thing you know, it's that uh, there are far too many attractive people in the world, and they have to be murdered. Mm-hmm. It's what. Yeah. Yep, for sure. And honestly, if you look at the rest of his behavior in the movie, it does make sense that he wanted to kill her from Jump Street. Yeah. Well, also, I think it's unspoken, but I assumed, and I think the context of the movie bears this out, that this is like an Elizabeth Bathory situation, that he is definitely murdering beautiful people and bathing in their blood to stay young. I I mean, that, that goes without saying. Yeah, I assumed he was like 200, 300 years old or something. Because he seemed very out of touch with the reality of 1991. Yes. So I could only assume that he was not a man. Or he, or maybe it's like a Benjamin Button. He's aging backwards. That's possible. And he's aging backwards from the future as presented in Back in to the Future 2. Well, but as, like Back to the Future 2. Like that right. future. Of, yes. That's where he's it's coming that from. that he's aging backwards from. Yeah. Clearly. So, so he tries to murder her, but then his friend's motorcycle is damaged, and then they take it to an unstable man randomly, who well, is they expecting sort of just them. Come upon this autistic savant motorcycle mechanic who just lives in a bananas house from a fantasy land. Like yeah, he has like, from the set of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, there's like atlases and maps and globes all over his house. And he says he's expecting them, but they don't seem to think that, like, they're not expecting to be there. And then he is says he can fix the motorcycle, but then that that's like the whole Doc Hollywood pitch is then they're stuck in the town because he just takes it apart. And he's like reading a manual on how to fix the motorcycle. And takes it apart in unbelievably fastidious and meticulous fashion which yeah like each nut is laid out like in order by size like it's like if you got a motorcycle kit from ikea this is how it would be presented in the package yeah because like for sure i don't know how to fix a motorcycle but i also am confident i don't know how to take one apart either (laughs) yeah I, i feel comfortable making the same claim that i could neither I could probably destroy a motorcycle. Oh, I definitely could. You but just I shove don't it think over. I could meticulously take it apart in a way that would be easy to put it back together again. No, no. So then, so he's stuck in town. I. It's unclear again <laughs> because Vanilla Ice does not seem human. I don't know if he's supposed to get to a show. I don't know if he had. There's no clock. Like there's no like ticking clock no. of needing to leave. 
unlike Doc Hollywood, which is very clear. Um, right. They're just there. They seem very honestly, Vanilla Ice seems like he's living his life the way Jules from Pulp Fiction described wanting to go through life of just that he's just walking the earth. He's just except if, if, you know, substitute walking with riding a motorcycle. But yeah, he's just wandering the earth on a motorcycle, getting into adventures. I, I this should have been a TV series, just random adventures of Vanilla Ice and his motorcycle gang. I think it's also possible because we don't really know much about the shows he's doing. Maybe he's just doing karaoke. Like, maybe he's not even really in a band and they don't have a tour. He might just be doing karaoke in random bars across the country. I mean, that kind of tracks because he does later in the movie just show up at the the one, the Sugar Shack, the one bar in town mm -hmm. and just start playing. Yeah, so I don't think he's on a tour or anything. I think they're just like him and his friends are just, just barnstorming various clubs and discos. Yeah, they're just aimless. They're tramps. They're vagabonds. They're they're people of the earth who are just wandering wherever the road takes them. And so, so in this case, it sends them to this town. Do we know the town? Do we know where they are? I mean, any town USA. Visually, I think it's pretty clear that it's somewhere in southern california there are definitely in rural southern california oh they're definitely hills and i kind of thought i recognized the strip mall <laughs> that, like i think i might have been to it it's but, west covina california but uh but yeah part it, of the inland empire definitely is filmed in california but i don't think it's stated specifically but you can see the hills in the background and such uh but it's also it's like probably like pasadena or something because it's very much like a, a neighborhood it's like a you know it's a very rural. suburban but semi-rural because Pasadena is like that's where they filmed Halloween that's where they tend to go for like if they want to use California but have it stand in for <laughs> somewhere else it's usually Pasadena so uh but yeah so he's hanging out with this girl who's dating a guy who I guess is bad he's bad but vaguely so yeah he sucks because Vanilla Ice doesn't like him from the get-go right but also in the scene that we played at the top and early on, he's sort of justified in it. Like, well, one this guy. Oh, we so we love that. So he tries to murder her, uh, Kathy first, and then he steals her her day planner because he wants her number. But it has like all of her important schoolwork in it because she's a high school senior. Yeah, and we don't know how old he is. Right. Yeah, but she's definitely in school. Uh, it's established that she is a high school senior, and if you go accurately, so this movie came out in 91, mm -hmm. so he's 25, because he was born in 1965. Mm -hmm. Perfect. No And the movie does not push back on that. No, it doesn't question any of it. Yeah. I uh, mean, Ke uh, Kelly Mintner that plays uh, Kathy... In the classic Hollywood tradition, is in her mid twenty, mid to late twenties, playing a high schooler. So there is also that. Well, and since you mentioned that, I want to make sure we get to this, which is the most important fact about this movie. Uh, let me give you a list of names of actresses at the time who passed on the role of this Kathy. is the best IMDb trivia yeah. point about this movie. Winona Ryder, <laughs> Jennifer Connelly, Drew Barrymore, Shannon Doherty, Jennifer Aniston, Uma Thurman, Martha Plimpton. Courtney Cox, Jeannie Garth, and Tori Spelling were all offered and turned down the role of Kathy, and Gwyneth Paltrow was offered the role, almost took it, and then her dad talked her out of it. 
Yes, Bruce Paltrow stepped in and wisely, arguably. Although, uh, to be fair, I mean, granted, Kelly Minter, who knows what career she would have had had she not done this. But she had a very successful run on ER. She is still working today. You know, she's been cast in stuff recently. So it's not like this. But I will say she's not the household name of every single one of those names. No, she's not Jenny Garth. That (laughs) is very true. (laughs) Uh, So... So yeah, we uh, who knows? Who knows what it would have done for her career or would have done to any of these other actors' careers had they taken the part. Would I it wish- be flipped and we'd be talking about how Jenny Garth, you know, didn't get cast on 90210 because she was too busy filming this. And so Kelly Minter played Kelly on 90210. And- I'd like to assume that Kelly Minter would have played Pepper Potts in Iron Man. I mean, great. Let's let's do that. Yeah. I wish Gwyneth Paltrow had done this movie. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. Because she would have really added something to the part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the dad is the dad from Family Ties. I just, while we're mentioning all of this, I want to make sure to mention that. Yes, it is Michael Gross, who I'm amazed this is the first time he's shown up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, we, he actually, we did almost watch a Tremors movie, but then didn't. Yeah. All right. And I stand by that decision. Anyways. Okay. So so he steals her day planner. She's dating this guy that's kind of a jerk. Also, so so far you're like, okay, this is like we said, it's Doc Hollywood. It, it's Rebel Without Meets a Rebel Cause. Without a Cause. Yeah, it's and her dad doesn't like him, obviously, because he's the dad from Family Ties. Because why would you? And why would you? Like, yeah, it's this guy is nothing but red flags. And the best part is all those lines were Actually, they just filmed the first time Michael Gross and Vanilla Ice met, and he just really had that much disdain for that goofball. Michael Gross, yeah, they did it like Bowfinger. He didn't know he was in a movie. They just had him hanging around the set. He thought he was like, he thought they were just like, just hang out for a while and we'll talk to you about this part. And then they filmed all of his scenes with Vanilla Ice without telling him. All right. So all of that's pretty standard. Okay. This cool as ice guy is sure trying to date a high school senior. But then there's a whole other plot, which is really something. And that's <laughs> that Michael Gross is in the witness protection program because he was a cop and he went to internal affairs and sold out other cops who went to jail. And then because... Kathy was featured on a local news report for getting good grades. They are able to track him down and uh, people are coming to I not even it doesn't seem like they're trying to kill him. They're trying to extort money from him. Which it isn't even necessarily established that he has. No. And now Michael Gross's character in this movie, we'll call him dad because I don't remember his name and I don't think it matters. Um expert in tradecraft mm-hmm. just just a master of espionage tradecraft uh when he is giving his interview uh that's going to be broadcast uh <laughs> widely on local television mm-hmm. um rather than just saying no no this is about my daughter i'm not going to do the interview no he's a little better than that because he wants to tempt fate you know as all good spies and all good people that are hiding from murderous mobsters that have connections to a corrupt police ring in new jersey Uh, He just kind of, when he gives the video, just kind of puts a hand a little bit over his face, Mm -hmm. kind of obscures his face. And that's the take they use. They don't say, "Uh, sir, could you drop your hand, please? It's weird. I don't know why you're doing this. Could you just drop? 
your yeah. hand. You just drop the hand. Drop the yeah. Hand. No, they don't do that. Yeah. Um, and that's the take they use. Because uh, actually, that's one of the deleted scenes on the DVD release of this is uh, Michael Gross just flipping out and beating the cameraman for mm-hmm. telling him to drop his hand. Yeah. Like, it's violent. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just kicking him on the ground. And the Kathy's crying. She's like, Dad, this is about me. He's like, I will do what I want with my hands. Yeah. And yeah, so also, I mean, I guess maybe it's worth pointing out that no, neither of the kids knew they were in witness protection uh, because this happened when the wife was, I think, pregnant with Kathy. Yeah, shortly after them getting put in witness protection and moving to West Covina, Pasadena, California. Yeah. Um, wherever. Somewhere in uh, California. They have a baby and that baby's now 18, meaning that they've been in witness protection now for almost two decades. Mm hmm. And again, you would think maybe, again, if he had just avoided... Also, (laughs) I didn't think of this until just now. The implication is that, what, that this story about a girl getting good grades is a national story? Like, how did the mob in New Jersey or whatever, the corrupt cops, how did they see it? (laughs) This is the first girl from (laughs) the Inland Empire to get good grades. I don't know. Yeah, because it seems like a local news report, and the guys who show up are very New Jersey. So I maybe they're, they were, they're you know, super. New. I'm amazed that they weren't more well known New Jerseyans. They probably were on vacation together. I think that's what I'm going to assume. The two guys, like they were taking a little like road Things trip. Things were getting out. a little hot back in in Jersey City, so they needed to lay low. So they decided to go to the West Coast. There was an there's several episodes of The Sopranos about that. Yeah, so that's yeah, it's totally. Uh, so, so we figured we solved that mystery. Okay, so yeah, so they closing loopholes every second. That's what we do here at <laughs> Silver Linings Playback. But yeah, so they find him. They um, show up at his house. They could murder him, but they don't. Instead, they give him twenty four hours, and then don't watch him for those twenty four hours, and then kidnap his son twenty four hours later because he did nothing except. Assume based on nothing that Vanilla Ice was in cahoots with them. Which is fair because he does show up right around simultaneously. The yeah. And he is not in any way trustworthy. So I'm I'm kind of sympathetic towards him. I mean, yeah, that does make a look. I mean, it makes more sense than the truth. Like yeah, Occam's Razor does. Occam's Razor says, yeah, this guy just like he showed up because he's part of their crew and he, he's trying to distract you. He's very bad at camouflage. So he's trying to pretend to be a normal teen interested in their daughter. But like he's very clownish at it. Yeah, but they um, we got to talk about this now because. <laughs> OK literally apropos of nothing and it's we talked about the brilliant parallel structure of starting and ending with concert footage mm-hmm. of an ice when we first sort of meet the rest of uh kathy's family it is inexplicably <laughs> shot with a fisheye lens mm-hmm. and sped up at like three times the speed yeah it's sped up and it's yeah and it's just them going about their day but yeah shot with a fisheye lens shot quick and it's the only time this kind of stylistic choice is made in the whole movie and it's really the only time any stylistic choice is made in the movie unless you count constantly making record scratch sound effects as a stylistic choice because the entire movie the soundtrack the the score is essentially just punctuated by 
uh, record scratches throughout. Yeah, record scratches and synth stings. Yeah, that that's <clears throat> it. Just all the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This makes no sense, but I'm going to defer to the experts on this because uh, the cinematographer wouldn't shoot things like that for no reason. And this movie did indeed have uh, one of the best cinematographers. <laughs> well, Andy, I mean, you're saying that, but if that were true, I don't know what, what else has he done that we would have heard of? Uh, did a little movie called Schindler's list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to pull it up really quickly on the, on the old IMDb. And um, yeah, it's uh it's a, like he did done most of Steven Spielberg's movies uh, in the from like the 90s to the early 2000s. But Andy, that doesn't make sense because those are that all happened after this. So that would imply that Steven Spielberg <laughs> hired a guy who had already done this movie to be his cinematographer. <laughs> yeah, he's um, but also did funny people, the uh, mm-hmm. terrible possible future movie by uh judd apatow yep did warhorse did lincoln the diving bell and the butterfly which won i believe a best uh foreign language film oscar munich war of the worlds yeah all the spielberg movies yeah so like he went he did cool as ice and, and jerry Maguire. <laughs> yeah so he did cool as ice and then became steven spielberg's go-to cinematographer including in the film schindler's list yes which was so I think it is 100% safe to say that Spielberg saw this movie and hired him off of it. I mean, if you look at what came in between, there's nothing of note. Yeah. So Steven Spielberg saw Cool as Ice. He loved it. He thought it was beautifully shot. And he said, Get me that guy. Yeah. And then in 1991, he does Cool as Ice. In 1993, he, went, he does Schindler's List. Yeah. And then in 94 does Little Giants. <laughs> Giannis Kaminsky is a jack of all trades is what we're trying to say. If there's one thing you get out of this. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like the first third of this movie, I just watched Mouth Agape trying to figure out what I was watching. Yeah. Okay. Also, I think now is the time. I mentioned it before, but not to because I don't want to lose this. What what choices is Vanilla Ice making as a person? Like, he doesn't seem human in this character. Because we didn't play the full clip, but like when he says, like, uh, lose the zero and get with a hero, the guy fires something back at him. And then there's like a pause. And then he completely flatly just goes, yeah, yeah. And that's like a lot of his choices are just, it's not even like, it's very strange because it doesn't even read to me as just bad acting. It reads to me as detached. Like, it's just like that he's not human. Yeah. I I would agree with every bit of that. It's, it's, it's beyond bad acting. It's. It's he's in a dissociative state for a large portion of this movie. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised. Like the room obviously has, has maybe this movie came out too early, but like I'm surprised that Cool as Ice does not have a the room esque cult following for how 
bizarre because if you love the choice, I mean, I mean, maybe we're pivoting. I I don't know if there's other stuff to malign, but it's like if you love watching that movie and watching all of the stilted, bizarre dialogue in it. Well, this has stilted, bizarre dialogue from one vanilla ice from start to finish. So, so there's that. Yeah, and then almost apropos of nothing else, he shows up in bed next to her and puts a piece of ice in her mouth. Which is terrifying. She doesn't know he's there. And then, yeah, he just sticks an ice cube in her mouth, which where did he get the ice cube? Did he go to the their refrigerator? Because he he climbed in through the window. We're clear about that. Right. But then, like, he's in her room, but he the only two options are he carried that piece of ice with him to her house. That he had a, a, a cooler. Or that he went to their freezer and took out a piece of ice and then brought it back to her room. And then he sticks it in her mouth. And then she says, I need to change. And he's like, you know, three second pause. Then, yeah, yeah, change. And then, like, she starts unbuttoning her shirt. Maybe it's like a hypnosis because she there's (laughs) absolutely no justification in the script as to why she would ever be interested in him. But she seems to be doing what he wants. So, like, maybe he emits a pheromone or like he's like hypnotoad from Futurama. He seems to be able to mind control her somehow. I mean, all of that makes the movie make a ton more sense because literally he, so he tries to murder her. Then he robs her. Then she tells him to leave her alone. Then he breaks into her house. Then he breaks into her house and sticks an ice cube in her mouth. And that's when she decides she likes him. And then they have a montage where they hang out together in the desert. Where they play around at a construction site. And then hang out in the desert. And and then, and then they're in love. And then they're in love. And then they remember that there's the thing with the dad. And so the rest of the movie is that. Also, yeah, the construction site is apparently the only place to go in town. Because that's where the bad men take the little brother when they kidnap him. And Vanilla Ice is able to figure that out. Because in the tape recording, he hears... A metal clang and goes... And there can only be one place in town where the metal... Yeah, like, this movie starts out bonkers. Mm Mm-hmm. And then just turns into an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, I mean, it's... It really does feel like a very weird avant-garde film gets overtaken by a very lazy, serialized 90s action TV show. Yeah, it's it's this weird study of dissociative states in America's <laughs> youth in the early 90s. And then it becomes an episode of Kung Fu. The legend continues. Yeah. Yeah. And then Vanilla Ice, who we've given, given no reason to believe is the person to save the day. Also, the dad is a cop, apparently, but has no cop training or cop instincts. At all, and isn't able to in any way be any kind of like vigilante who's had firearm and tactics training to like help Vanilla. You would think, like, I don't know if I was screenwriting this, which thankfully I was not, that like maybe the dad being a cop would need Vanilla Ice, like they'd have to work together, and then that's what would get him to like him. But no. 
that doesn't happen. Yeah, and then <laughs> the whole time this movie is happening, Vanilla Ice's friends just hang out at the crazy mechanic's house. Yeah, and don't seem to be doing anything. Well, except for the one guy makes the insane sandwich. Yeah, with that has like peanut butter and pickles. Peanut butter and pickles and sardines and mustard. And there's a couple other weird things on white bread. Which again... He goes to town on that sandwich. Which again, to me, is further evidence that Vanilla Ice and his crew are not human. (laughs) That I think you could actually read this as they are aliens trying to... (laughs) Assume the idea culture and doing a bad job at it. There are so many like scenes that would make this movie better that we didn't see mm-hmm. that would make this both a better concept and a better movie. I would also like, why love, not make him an alien? Why not make him an alien? Also, I would love it if just we were revealed that there are times like when it seems like the rest of his crew is not doing anything that they literally are doing nothing that they're just like staring at walls waiting for him to come like, back it's it's like the the people on camazots in wrinkle in time where yeah. they're just yeah literally just existing not unlike that of a house plant yeah they're just frozen staring at nothing waiting for vanilla ice to return to give them further instructions that would have been better. Also, it would it, it would explain a lot about a lot a lot what's happening. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's the movie. Yeah, I mean, I think if you watch it through the lens we just explained, mm-hmm. that gets to some of what the silver lining is. Yeah, like if you if you watch a different movie than you're watching. Yeah, like, like pretend it's just a different movie. Yeah, I mean, if you watch it with the critical eye of deciding that Vanilla Ice is not human, I think it's it gets more interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there's that. Um, so that's a silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll say it. Look, say what you will. But in this film, we get some of the greatest music of our lifetime played in it. And by that, of course, I mean the Super Mario Brothers theme song. Yeah, that's actually (laughs) the next place I was going, 100%. Um, That one scene is, in a Scott Pilgrim-esque fashion, Mm -hmm. entirely soundtracked with the music of Super Mario Brothers 3, one of the greatest... Uh, 2D scrollers of all time. And with one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. So Yeah. Um and and it's like also like weirdly mixed. So like when something bad happens is when you get like the death noise. Yeah. And like it's 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 very much scored to Super Mario Brothers 3. But it is like a DJ is is using Super Mario Brothers 3 to to match the mood of the scene. Yeah, and it's um, that made me happy because I love Super Mario Brothers. No, I, I got legit happy. It's an happy. all-time great game. No, it was really also happy. a shout out to an appearance for Super Tech Mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Super Tech Mobile. And, yeah, and of course the kid was playing as the Raiders because why yeah. wouldn't you with Bo Jackson? Yeah, yeah, which was basically a cheat code for that yeah. game. Uh, yeah. Um, so all of that was a fun nostalgia trip. Um. I mean, this movie is like a time capsule for the early 90s in a lot of ways, too. Well, how everyone looked. Everyone was dressed exactly like Vanilla Ice in 1991. Yes. Right. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, I wore a jacket with multiple nonsensical slogans emblazoned on it in various fonts. And you know what? We didn't we didn't talk about that either. (laughs) So there's a sort of like Rorschach from Watchmen Simpsons chalkboard gag something whatever you however you want to look at it his clothes change constantly seemingly again as Andy pointed out there are they have no suitcase they have no additional stuff besides what they're wearing and their motorcycles and yet Vanilla Ice is constantly like the back of his jacket is just reading different things all throughout the movie and he's changing clothes throughout the movie but I don't know where those clothes are coming from or, yeah, because the bikes didn't have saddlebags. Nope. Like, they were literally literally just, like, Kawasaki crotch rocket motorcycles. But he is just constantly wearing different outfits and, and different slogans are constantly appearing on him. But, yeah, but his crew doesn't change never clothes. changes clothes. No, because they're just staring at nothing, waiting for him to return. <laughs> right. Eating <laughs> just bizarre Dagwood sandwiches. Yep. So... Um, I loved Rufus. I'll give that as a silver lining. I think that was the guy's name, right? The Roscoe was uh, the Roscoe. mechanic. Yeah, I loved Roscoe the mechanic. He's, yeah, he and his wife were fascinating characters. I also, it really worked for me with no explanation that they, when the police show up because the dad believes that Vanilla Ice is in on it to try to get Vanilla Ice, they just immediately cover for him without knowing what's happening. And they claim that he's away at college. Yeah, that <laughs> happens. Yep. Um, you know, this this movie is... It starts out so insane and ends so bland. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if they just steered into the insanity... Because it's... Like, I literally watched the first third of this movie, mouth agape, as I said trying to make sense of what was happening because it didn't make a lick of sense. Yeah, because the first third of the movie feels like their foot is on a gas pedal heading towards a cliff. And then the entire rest of the movie is that person was thrown out of the driver's seat and a grandmother is trying as hard as she can to slam on the brakes and steer and somewhere safe. And enjoy the view. Yeah. But it's just a wall. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, it starts from such a point of just like cuckoo just wildness insanity. and then it becomes the most mundane, like by the numbers, like, like literally any episode plot. of <laughs> yeah. Thunder in Paradise. Yeah. Airwolf. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's we have to save little boy hostage from construction site with our assembled team. So that's yeah, every 80s and 90s action TV show that existed. And with yeah. the same budget, if not less money than those the shows. The same are- soundtrack, except it's a little more hip hop because it's got some error, error, you know, yeah. like got some just like. Mm-hmm. The other scene I want to talk about that was bananas and i think i loved it okay is at the sugar shack which mm-hmm. is absolutely the name of a nudie bar yeah but not in this town nope it's the wholesome nightclub that the kids hang out in yeah because you you don't want your kid to hang out with vanilla ice but you do want your kid to hang out at a place called the sugar shack when when your kid is in high school right or yeah. recently graduated i mean 
LA doesn't have seasons. Southern California doesn't have seasons, so it's impossible to tell what time of year. That is true. Was. Maybe maybe Kathy had just graduated high school. I, it's very hard to tell when anything takes place, but yeah, because at one point, like in the end, he's like, "Whatever, college girl," and she's like, "College doesn't start tonight." And then they go and shoot a music video together, and that's how the movie ends. Right. Well, because also she's fighting with her boyfriend about the fact that she's about to go to college. So, so yeah, I guess maybe we can assume that she's eighteen and recently graduated, like recently, recently. Because again, the news was doing an article about her. Yeah. Um. But no. So at at the Sugar Shack, uh, there is a a band that's playing mm-hmm. very badly, but. The guitarist and the bassist are back to back, like shredding a la Van Halen to the least shreddable music you've ever heard. Yeah. And it like that made me laugh. I was like, this, okay, the movie's going back to being insane because it had kind of gotten mundane for a hot second. Well, and also, it, Vanilla Ice stops them by unplugging one chord. As you, yeah, because you know, if you know anything about. <laughs> DIY sound it's one plug for the whole sound system. Yeah, he literally he just pulls one plug out of the wall and that stops all of them immediately. <laughs> and then saves the city with the gift of bland rap music. Mhm. Also, we should probably point out and this is neither to malign it nor to as a silver lining, but I just as a point of fact that I think should be noted, the song Ice Ice Baby if you were wondering is not in this movie. Nor is the song uh play his cover of play that funky music the b-side of ice ice baby nor is his ninja turtle rap but obviously why would that that makes a little more sense i wasn't expecting ninja rap now what you're thinking is like okay so if none of those songs are in it well then vanilla ice must not do any music oh but no he does a lot there's a lot of vanilla ice music in this movie just he does three songs yeah so he does the opening music video uh special guest naomi campbell Mm -hmm. for no reason um, and it's literally like just sure the music the re- video for that song. I'm pretty sure the reason was that Naomi Campbell owed someone a favor. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> true. Um, but she is actually singing on the track, oddly yeah. enough. That is yeah. actually her vocals. Anyways, um, and that's the theme to Cool as Ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe called Let's Go, parenthetically Cool as Ice. Mm-hmm. And then the scene at the club at the Sugar Shack. And then in the end credits. Yep, and I can't remember how any of those songs go. Because they all sound like every non-memorable early 90s rap song that wasn't by good groups like Public Enemy and Tribe Called Quest. Mm-hmm. It was all groups that heard I Want the Power by Snap and said, I could do this. Yeah. Uh, it does have the song Everybody, Everybody, and that's a banger. Yeah. You know, that, that made me happy because I like that song. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, no, I mean, if you watch this movie as like what it hinted at and what it could have been, like I almost feel like the some studio exec stepped in somewhere in the at the end of the first act and is like, no, we we can't. This movie you're making, we can't keep doing it. So that there is that uh, avant garde auteur director who's was just thrashed in the cutting room. I can only assume that that director is heart exploded from all the cocaine a third of the way through filming the movie and they had to bring in someone to just finish it (laughs) they brought in director bot 3000 to just (laughs) hold a camera and shoot scenes yeah and then they were just largely improvising the last two-thirds of the movie 
<laughs> that originally plot about the the hitmen was not there until that the first director's heart exploded. <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't. They just they carted a guy in who was doing a Nash Bridges just to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> This movie's like it's insane, and I have to say, like it's a terrible movie, and yes. probably bottom five of the movies we watched. Definitely bottom five of the movies that we watched for this podcast. Yeah. Um, I would still say give the all-time bottom crown to Caddyshack too. Yeah, Caddyshack two is gonna be tough. We'll let you know if we think when a something movie... beats Caddyshack two, but it's gonna be a while. <laughs> Because I don't know that we can endure that right, so soon after watching Caddyshack 2. No, I'm really hoping the rest of this month looks up because I can't do a whole month of Caddyshack 2s. Like, no. Um, cool I, as Ice is a dark place to start this month, and I really yeah, hope it gets better. Uh, after after the joy that was the Fast franchise. Yeah. We're uh, back on it. It almost made me furious to watch this. Um, I, like, as terrible as the movie is, like... I didn't hate it because it was like so bizarre that you can't hate like just everything about it was so bizarre. I'm like, I had nothing this like it wasn't hate the way Caddyshack 2 just I hated that movie. No, like I said, to me, I could envision this movie having a cult following. I could definitely see that. That Yeah, I, 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 I could agree with that. I think it came out a little too early and it's a little too hard to find now, which we watched it on Tubi with commercials. Yes. But uh, but yeah, I think if it was like more readily available in a like DVD market that I could envision parties where people watch this movie ironically and make fun of Vanilla Ice and probably create like drinking games and and fun or, like bits and and the whole like a like, shadow cast a la Rocky Horror type thing. Yeah. And like the, you know, lose the zero, get with the hero could have been like ironically on T-shirts, you know. Yeah, all of that makes sense because, like, yeah, this movie is, it starts out so insane and ends so blandly that that was kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, it wasn't like I was asking what is happening in this movie because I couldn't follow it. It was like, what is happening in this movie? Because no, it's more, none of these choices follow any logic or connection to one another. It's not what is happening. It's why is happening. <laughs> like <laughs> Why is happening is, yeah. is, is probably a good place to talk about it. Yeah, it's just you understand it from like, because everything that happens is clear, but you don't understand why someone would make that choice. Yeah. And it, like the beginning, it feels like, it does feel like, as Joel said, that they brought in some other director to just uh, Nash Bridges this movie and... To its detriment, I think. Yeah, to its extreme detriment. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think we did it, you know, I mean... Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, I think you could listen to this podcast and reasonably come away thinking, you know what, I could watch this movie. I don't recommend that. I don't want to put that out there. No, um, don't, don't. But, yeah, please don't. But if you do, know that you're you're in for something. Yeah, and just know that Gwyneth Paltrow made a mistake. Many. Uh, this is just the first of many. Like maybe no, maybe there's no goop if she does this movie. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> 
Does that negate all the possible silver linings we've touched on? I think so. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe Vanilla Ice starts goop. Maybe they start it I together. Would, I could get down with some Vanilla Ice goop. Maybe they start it together. Like Maybe they fall in love and it's the, a romance for the ages. She likes musicians. She so, does. I mean, she was married to Chris Martin for a long time. Yeah. So I'd like to envision a world with Gwyneth Paltrow did this movie and fell in love with Vanilla Ice and they start goop together. Um. Yeah. I think that's that right there. That's a world I would like to live in. I w- it, it sounds like a better world. I mean, it's definitely better than the last two years. I can, I can guarantee that. So I don't know if, if she's dating someone or what her deal is, but Gwyneth Paltrow, if you are dating someone, I'd say like lose the zero and get with a hero. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to, to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.